When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. This is Charles Laux, and I am your host. Today on our podcast, we will be featuring Dr. Frank M. Diaz, who is Associate Professor of Music Education at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music, where he teaches courses in instrumental music education and teacher wellness. Diaz is a highly sought-out clinician and conductor for honors, community, secondary, and collegiate orchestras, and is a frequent presenter and adjudicator for conferences, workshops, and festivals across the country. Previous to his position to Indiana, Diaz taught on the faculties of the University of Missouri-Kansas City Conservatory and the University of Oregon School of Music, and also served as a public school music teacher for districts in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Along his work as a teacher and conductor, Diaz currently serves as the editorial board of the String Research Journal and Journal of Research in Music Education and is an active member of the American String Teachers Association. Without further ado, I will go ahead and start our conversation with Dr. Diaz. Good morning. Good morning. How have you been? (laughs) Pretty much the same as everyone else, man, you know. I get up in the morning and I'm like, all right, so what, what, what's, what's this going to look like this week? And and then next week it looks a little different. Um, but no, okay. You know, uh, it's been busy for all of us, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's insane. The amount of adaptation and thinking and new ways of, uh, working with people this year, uh, both personally, like, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, not only our careers, but just also interpersonally, right? Oh, absolutely. All the friends that you typically see, all the, I, I, I'll say I'm doing fine. I'm so missing. I will never again take for granted the social nature of our profession. No question. Because, uh, you know, you, you, you build these friendships with these people. Maybe, maybe you don't see them all the time. You know, maybe you see them at conference or at a little thing here and there. But, you know, they're really, they're really significant in the way you think and, and what you're excited about. Mm-hmm. And it, I love online. I mean, actually, I, I'm okay with certain aspects of online teaching and really enjoy it mm-hmm. um, because you can do some really cool things, but, but that other side, that interaction side. Is, yeah. Is hard. I, I miss it. I missed, uh, you know, hanging out with colleagues and just um, getting to conferences and, and seeing people and just looking people in the eyes, right, uh, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and then, you know, when I'm teaching in person, my kids, you know, they're all on ma- in masks, of course. And yeah. it's like, I, I, I'm having trouble reading the eye. Tell me how you're feeling here because I, you know, you could only get so much from just the eyes, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, exactly. That's all. And you know, that's what happens when we, when we do have gatherings, you know, uh, uh, you know, I can't see anybody Yeah. Uh, unless, you know, unless we're, we're like 10 feet apart outside and you know, like, I'll go with job. I'll go for some walks with my, uh, some of my colleagues sure. uh, here, you know, and we'll, as long as we're outside and about four or five feet apart, sure. We're, we feel okay, but it's still, you know, you can't do anything with them, you know, it's no. all. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. It's, that's, oh. it's been, it's been the most difficult thing. I, I, I totally agree. Um, so, uh, like how, what, what are some of the things that you've done to adapt your teaching? Yeah. So, you know, I think at first I started with like the idea of like trying to, um, replicate what I've been doing before. I'm like, okay, so all this is, is really everything I've done before, but online. And I quickly found out that that's just not, <laughs> that's not the way it works, right? So I said, I went from, I went from triage mode, like super excited. I remember that moment, like right after uh, everything happened where everybody was going, oh, okay, we're going to, we're, we're going to come up with all these guides. I mean, I was part of that COVID-19 guide. Here are all the things we're going to do. And, and there was this burst of activity trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of settled and realized, okay, some of this stuff just doesn't work and, yeah. and that's okay. Like, you know. And then we kind of, I mean, for me, I got a little depressed. I was like, gosh, you know, what are we going to do? And now I've sort of hit a point where, you know, I've learned some things at work. And I think the, the biggest adaptation is just thinking about, A, like what do the students need uh-huh. that they could realistically get from this class in this format? Because all my classes are online. Uh, we, unfortunately, okay. um, even my methods courses, which is it's hard to teach methods online, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't have... Even if we did it uh, on in person, it just it would be we don't have enough room to really socially distance. We don't okay. have enough open spots. And, sure, sure. You know, it's a school of 1,600 students, and yeah. uh, you know it's hard to find in five, you know, six or seven major halls and space. So one right. is uh, restructuring the classes so that we're really working. You know, like listening more, um, mm-hmm. think uh, a lot more. Um, uh, you know, just uh, we still play. Uh, but, but obviously the ensemble thing is out the door, um, a a lot more media interactions, which has actually been kind of cool, put taking things apart. I'm playing a lot more, which is actually kind of neat because I feel like it's like the, I don't know, like, you know, I have my, I have my bass in the back. I've got my electric bass. I'm teaching jazz methods now. So it's interesting. I have to, um, you know, I I don't have time to get up (laughs) every time take the pace off the, you know, stand, set it up and be like, okay, so here's, here's a lick, you know, right, and right. can you hear me okay? Uh, so now I just kind of hook up my electric bass through the, through GarageBand and then through iReal Pro, and then we play back and forth and, you know, it's, it's portable. Sure. So I can make anything work right there. I yeah, mean, that's, I'm that's easier. Awful, yeah. I'm an awful violinist. So nobody ever wants to hear me do that. <laughs> I do. I keep that for methods courses for open strings and basic bow strokes and anything past third position. I have somebody else model. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, th- that's, yeah, it's been the big adaptation, but mostly really monitoring the kids, man, just being like, Hey, how are you feeling? Yeah. Um, is this useful for you or, or, and just saying, look, some of this stuff is not going to happen and, and uh-huh. it's okay. Like I, I we're not going to have a large ensemble methods lab right now, uh-huh. but, but what, what I, what I tell them, which I think makes me feel better is I think a curious student, a good student f- doesn't get all their stuff from school anyway. So, uh-huh. so hey, they're learning valuable skills, but eventually they're going to be able to do, I, you'll learn it as you go. Yeah. I, I don't mean, I don't know how else to tell them that, you know, it's like, look, I know right now you're not doing this in class, but I can answer it's, the minute you stand in front of actual kids, you're going to figure it out. If you've got a good mentor teacher or you're, you're smart, you're going to mm-hmm. learn through trial and error. So don't worry that we're not necessarily doing all that in a class uh, yeah. because I think eventually you're going to get it anyway. Um, and I mean, I guess that devalues what I do a little bit, but right. you know, how much did you learn just teaching? You know, yeah. just being out there teaching, right? Like, of course, you want to set them up with fundamentals of, of, for teaching, but a lot of it is learned on the job. 
And yeah. I don't think we're going to lose that. It might be a little delay, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't <laughs> think we're going to like, <laughs> yeah. how are you adapting? But you're, you've got face to face, right? Uh, we are hybrid, you know? So, okay. yeah. So, and, and, and I've mentioned before uh, my, in my pod, in the podcast here, uh, I have about 15% of my students face to face. Wow. Are at home. So it's mostly face to face. I have a, st- a class with one student. I have a class with three, you know, um, really yeah. small, really small. My, my largest class, I broke a record last week. I think it was 11. So, um, wow. yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's, it's been challenging and, and, um, you know, we've been doing some trying, trying to keep it as, as normal as possible. Um, I just started, uh, doing some after school rehearsals. Sure. And, uh, that has been pretty groundbreaking and, and pretty life-changing for some of the kids who have been at home. I think just yeah. that breath of fresh air of, whoa, I forgot what this was bit, what this is like. So it's been 11 months since I played in a large group, you know? Yeah. And that, that has, uh, it's more work for me. It's more work for the students, you know, obviously to come after school, but some of the virtual kids are willing to come in for the hour and a half and we are distanced. And um, I have a really large room. And so we were able to definitely do, you know, at least six feet, if not, if not eight, um, around students. And I had, I think the largest group I've had so far is about 24 and I'm oh, giving wow. them an incentive, an incentive. I, I broke my five orchestras into two. So I've combined yeah. the first three periods and then my last two periods. And, um, and some kids come one week and they can't come the next week. And I, we're, we're having a total of three rehearsals and then we're going to record for our assessment, which was is allowed to be virtual this year. So wow. we've been working on the music for a little while, you know, yeah. online, but in person, you know, now we're like, oh, wow, we can talk about phrasing. We can talk about dynamics. We can talk about, you know, I can hear you. I can give you feedback right away, you know, and that's what, that's what I think a lot of the students are missing too, is just that, that feeling of making music. So yeah. we, um, and so this week is our last week coming up of, of our after school rehearsals. And then we have um, our recording session the following week, um, one day for one group, one day for the next group. And it's, they're, they sound great. I mean, they really do. I, you know, obviously I've lo- had to lower the music level. So my, sure. my level six orchestra is playing level four music and, you know, other group kids are playing level three music. But um, I try to pick pieces that were engaging and, you know, something that they would all enjoy. Uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be good. We're going to have a recording and I made an incentive for them to try to come in because if not, they have to record both pieces on their own for two assessment grades. And if they come in they play with the group, then those two count, you know, it counts for both of them and they I get to see. play with the group. So yeah. and they get, you know, they get a hundred because they get a hundred. And if they're, <laughs> if they, if they're doing it on their own, they may not get a hundred. So, you know, trying to make an incentive and my, my students are very academically focused. So that, that they like that. Sure. Yeah, they like to see what that. They want to see what that output's going to look like. Yeah, we'll see. I told them they have to come to at least one rehearsal, and then they can come to the recording session. So, um, so far, there's some kids have only come to one, and they'll probably come to the recording session, and and it's going to be fine. And you know, we're not we're not going to hit the uh, the level of perfection that we would normally hit, but it's not what this is about. It's about community and playing together. And, and, and I mean, that, that's that to, to turn the whole thing around that we just started with, that's it. You know, yeah. y- y- you know, we, uh, anybody who's, who's been in this uh, profession long enough um, and who has any, you know, who's, we all want things to be good. Like, all, right. you know, I think all of us, and we have different definitions of excellence and that's fine, Sure. but, but that, that excellence to me right now is, community and opportunity to make music and gratefulness for whatever it is that we have 
Um, and that's okay. I mean, I think we right. can get back tall. We'll get back tall. That we'll get. I'll, I'll get back to refining the heck out of that third chord and you know whatever piece I'm doing because <laughs> the, the the third and the violas just isn't quite right. You know, right. I'll get I'll get back to that. But right now it's like, hey, we got it. We got you know we got in a group together. We, we yeah. like you said, I heard some <laughs> phrasing and I have something to respond to, which is gone on on Zoom. You can't hear dynamics you can't hear uh you know style is difficult tone mm -hmm. quality is difficult to assess yeah. i mean because you mics. never know what you're getting on the other end you know i've, I've yeah. been really encouraging my students hey you know maybe you could look at this microphone it's only 30 dollars. you know it's going to be <laughs> an upgrade from that little that little hole that's in your laptop that we're usually calling a microphone you know and it's yeah so and that yeah. speakers like you know kids uh, I, i've been using smart music not because uh i normally do but just because it's been provided to us and um, it's convenient and it, it, it works, you know, for our purposes now. And yeah. um, my students are playing along with the assessments and like, Dr. Lux, I'm getting, I know I'm playing all these notes right there. I'm getting them all wrong. And then I listen back and it's like, well, you're not playing with the click because you can't hear the click because you're listening to it on your little speakers or you're not using headphones or. Yeah. And so like, oh, yeah, that's you're playing all the right notes, but if you're playing at the wrong time, it's going to mark you up, you know, it's going to mark them wrong. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but think about it when we're done with all this, you know, no matter, no matter what the next iteration uh, is, you know, of course, we're all hoping that it gets back to exactly the way it was before. I'm not sure it's going to be that way. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I'm done making predictions right? Uh, because we, everything we've predicted has gone, <laughs> not the way we thought. And, and that's okay. You know, that's yeah. just the, the way the world is. But I will say this, when we are able to play again together, I, I just hope we never take that for granted again. Not that we did, but my goodness, like there's an appreciation. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just such a social art form. And mm -hmm. I always say one of my favorite things about being in the string world and why I love my favorite conference to go to is ASTA Right. for two reasons. Yeah, of course, you know, there's the string part, right? So, you know, as a string player, I, I love that aspect of just the pedagogy and being around the people that you're know, interested in the same kind of music and things that you're interested but but I also think like string players for whatever reason, although we're 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 told we're antisocial, I feel like that conference is not only very social but very supportive. And people mm -hmm. are very kind. They want everyone to sound good. There's a lot less of that competitive. I mean, we're all competitive to some degree, sure. but there, it's not the kind of thing that you find in other. Um, uh, musical subworlds, right. I think. I'm yeah. just going to leave it there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of my colleagues are, it's all about, you know, how high your turtleneck is. Uh, and and us, you know, we're kind of like, ah, let, let's try this out. Why don't we, you know, let's let's, let's yeah. argue about Boeings. But in the end, we want everybody to, you know, to sound good yeah. and to yeah. enjoy themselves. And I, I so miss that. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. That's, I, I, I do hope that there's a new level of appreciation and, and respect and, you know, everything else. It's, it's just... You're right. I mean, I, we didn't take it for granted, but at the same time, it was just always there. So it was like, well, you know, right. kids would come and do we have to play today? Well, I, I hope I don't hear that ever again. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think we will. I don't think we will. You know, they just started doing um, the orchestras have been playing. My understanding is they've been uh, playing face to face in small groups here since since the fall. So mm -hmm. there's been, you know, uh, live music um, and then the bands just added and the choirs have been doing it for a while. I was talking to my colleague, Rodney Dorsey, who's the director of bands here. And, you know, he just started meeting face to face and he came out of his rehearsal the other day and they're small chamber groups, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and he just, and just the kids seem so happy just to be able to play together. Yep. Like they, you could tell they just are just so happy yeah. that they have that again. And that, that, yeah, that's the, yeah, it's part of the power of this, what we do. I know. And it's hard, it's hard to put 
you know, it's, it's hard to put a, anything like a, you can't even describe it really. You're right. It's just, wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, my kids were glowing the other day and I, I started a podcast for my orchestra because um, I think it would be, it was something that, you know, would help build community. And, and I've been having sure. a little trouble getting students to create episodes, but now that a couple are out there, I'm hoping I'll get more. Um, well, that's I cool. One of my own. And, you know, we talked about, oh, we're starting our rehearsals and like, what do you think about this? And, and the kids were just, you know, they're just glowing and, you could just yeah. like when you see them online, they're they're so somber and oh, you know, and then and then as soon as they were together, it's like you're back. I recognize yeah. you now. You know, so you're back uh, to being human. Yeah, I've never seen them. So I catch them on, on campus every once in a while. I go down, they have their masks on, so it takes me a while. But I've never seen them so excited to see me. You know, they're like Dr. Diaz, and I'm like, oh hey Jessica. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like you're normally not this excited to see me. And they're like, oh but, yeah. but person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's uh, quite interesting, but um, you know, one of the things that, that I normally do the podcast is just to have the guest introduce himself and kind of tell us your background. And we, we're yeah. like way past that, but um, it's never too late. No, so, sure. Uh, if you, if you want to tell us, you know, uh, you know, we, we, many people know that you're at the university of Indiana, but uh, where did you start and, you know, where are you from and, and tell us yeah. a little bit about your background because it would be great yeah. for everybody to get to know you and, and me too. I, I know a little bit, but not everything. So. <laughs> Spill your no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I like talking about my background a little bit because actually I think it, it, it's, it's, it's different uh, than a lot of folks who are typically in the field. And I enjoy talking about that because I think there's a lot of people who maybe, uh, you know, don't find a mirror uh, career path uh, with, with what is normally available out mm -hmm. there. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I come from a very different background. So basically, yeah, musically, um, my background is I, I you know, I, I was a kid who grew up in a very musical family. I'm, I'm Cuban-American. So, you know, I was born in Havana. I came here. Lots of musicians in my family. But I didn't grow up around classical music or, um, uh, you know, whatever you call it now, Western art music, mm -hmm. whatever the term <laughs> is, uh, sure. you know. <laughs> but I loved music. And a lot of people in my family made music. And uh, the very first instrument I ever got was a, my dad got me a two, a guitar that only had two strings on. <laughs> uh, and he, you know, we were very, very poor, um, yeah. extremely poor. We lived in, a, in an apartment building and, you know, two, two bedrooms and you know, way too many people. And so I started, you know, like first thing I did was learn how to play by ear. And I started, my dad liked the Beatles. So I started learning Beatles uh, like bass lines That's awesome. on, on a guitar, you know, sure. I didn't even know how to tune it. I just kind of figured it out. I had no musical training. Uh, and then at some point I joined a uh, uh, band. We didn't have orchestra at the middle school. And I learned, I was like, okay, I've learned a band instrument. So I learned euphonium. Okay. It just seemed like, and he was what was available. <laughs> uh, but, but there was a, you know, there were basses there and I started picking them up and, and going, it's kind of like a giant guitar. You just yeah. got to play it this way. Uh, and so, <laughs> I mean, to make a long story short, I spent middle school and high school not, not falling into any particular camp of music. Uh, because I never, we didn't have, I didn't have private lessons. So mm -hmm. everything I had to learn was like through absorption community. I didn't learn to read music. So I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. So, I mean, I still played in the groups. So um, my first entrance into strings was jazz. So, you know, I learned uh, how to play uh, bass, both electric and upright. And, um, you know, that's what I called it at the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, really then eventually somebody said, Hey, you can bow that thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, you know, I was in high school. I picked up a bow. I'm like, oh, yeah, check it out. No, nope, no technical foundation. Okay. So, so to make a long story short, uh, eventually, I just kind of loved music. I played rock guitar. I played I played in salsa bands. I played in jazz bands, wow. both winds and strings. Uh, and cool. uh, at some point, I had to, you know, I, I, I kind of want to do this for a living, right? And so I, um, I had two top options. I could either go to University of Miami to study uh, jazz bass. And there was somebody, you know, there were a couple of faculty members there that were actively recruiting me for that. Right. And uh, never did the audition though. Or I could go to Florida State. And I thought what I would do there is be a dual major, like uh, do both winds and strings because I didn't have the classical training mm-hmm. yet. I, and I didn't want to be a jazz major because I thought, oh my gosh, none of the jazz majors I knew at that point were working. So, I mean, or, the, or they were they were really struggling and I was a poor mm-hmm. kid, man. And I needed like, something i can have a job all right so i do that and i go to fsu and they're like you can't do that you're gonna have to pick one or the other and i met michael allen all right and michael allen uh you know knew i was a hot mess and was like look do you want to be a fantastic bass player do you want to be a great teacher and i said well i want to do both he goes yeah but but which one do you want to do what do you want to do and i'm like i would i'd really love teaching i i I think playing all these places is great go be a trombone guy here we'll do that and I'll just keep working with you as a string player. You just, you know, you, you, I'll teach you how to teach strings and you can, and I'll give you extra attention and extra help. And he was new. And, and, you know, I, I, uh, you know, God rest his soul. Uh, you know, I would not be here without Michael Allen. Yeah. He just, I mean, he just, he was there. He always encouraged me. He knew that I wasn't taking bass lessons, but he, you know, he knew what to tell me. So I grew up learning to play strings as a sort of generalist thinking about, uh, you know, the, the string world as it strings not bass right (laughs) uh and so i graduated the trombone you know trombone was my other major and you know uh, music education uh thing that i did when i was there and basically i spent the rest of that time uh, and and my band guys are going to be mad that i'm saying this um getting band jobs and trying to leave band jobs to be an orchestra teacher is what i really wanted to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. so so Mm -hmm. i didn't start off that way it was kind of blended and then eventually finally after after many years i got a job where the primary thing was teaching orchestra i was satellite high school in florida okay Uh, and and that that was like i was back in it you know i I was really really back in it and Mm -hmm. i felt at that point i didn't have a lot of um uh, you know, I was, I had a great orchestra program. Actually, I think our orchestras were at Midwest the same year as okay. you were at, um, I was at, you at were, Winter Park. Winter Park. Yeah. We, I think we went to, I think we were the two orchestras in 2005 from the yeah, state of Florida. It was, uh, I, I was there in 06. Okay. Maybe it was a year after. Yeah. So anyway, I went back to FSU after a few, I felt like my string pad was all over the place. I knew how to make it a, a group sound good. I think mm-hmm. I had good instincts, but I wasn't playing very much uh, uh, anymore and went to, back to Florida state and did the, what I call the trifecta, which was uh, Cliff Madsen was my major research advisor and like just mentor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I incredible mean, guy. Right. Alex Jimenez was my conducting uh, teacher. So I got to do all the orchestra stuff there. I was doing the Philharmonia and the U.S. And then Michael Allen, kind of, I mean, who was one of my, at that point, really close mentors said, I'll tell you what, you're not in, you're not here to be uh, a, a string ped major, but why don't you teach my classes? Why don't, you know, are you okay teaching my, helping me teach my classes? So, I mean, goodness gracious, for three years, I had these three people in my life yeah. who really I mean, I, again, I can't say enough. Um, 
And so here I am, uh, 13 years later, teaching, you know, strings at Indiana University uh, from being a kid who, who was playing <laughs> who was playing bass lines on a two-string guitar That's with amazing. this amazing faculty and, and all the wonderful things I get to do. So um, it's a great story. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my background, man. I know it's weird. It's it's out it's there, not, but uh, it's it, not I weird. love it. I mean, it's it's it's. I I don't ever define myself by any particular category. I just like I love to make music and yeah. uh, do it in a lot of different ways. Now, did you teach public school? Uh, where did you teach public school? So, uh, so the first three years were in in the Pennsylvania uh, area, so school district of Philadelphia, and then um, okay. at at uh, Octora High School, which was out in Amish country. Oh wow. It, and then four years at Satellite High School. Right. Um, and then, you know, the two years of my master's, uh, I did a lot of work at um, uh, what, what that time, uh, Gaither High School. I couldn't remember okay. what it was called for. Uh, you know, where I was still teaching lessons a lot and still doing co- yeah. quite a bit of, you know. So I would say, you know, solid, solid seven and a half years of public school. And then, mm-hmm. you know, in between gigs, yeah, <laughs> uh, I kept teaching. So yeah, I, you know, I, I usually round it up and say about about a decade. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, what what are some of the things that you're like your interest right now in research? I mean, I, I'm reading, I read your tweets, and you're in uh, <laughs> like there, 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 there's some some things I I know nothing about, and I'm really interested yeah. to to learn from you. But what are some of the things that you're doing with your research and yeah. right now? Scholarly sure. Yeah, I think my, my main, you know, a lot of a lot of folks kind of uh, see me as a wellness guy uh, because of my tie to, to mindfulness, um, yeah. you know, and talking about that. So, you know, I think uh, what am I interested in? You know, I am interested in teacher wellness. Uh, um, you know, how, how are we staying healthy mentally? How are we? Um, how are, how are the things that we're doing as teachers affecting our students? Um, and, and I would say, you know, what I'm mostly interested though, you know, there's a certain science behind that. And that, you know, I think people think, well, it's a relaxation thing or, or a stress reduction thing, but I am very interested in the way that teachers construct a world about teaching and what we pass on to mm-hmm. our students. So to, to, to be clear, what I mean by that is as a researcher, I'm very fascinated by things like what, how does a person's spiritual life affect their teaching. Yeah. Something we don't talk about about Mm -hmm. a lot. We're afraid to talk about that, but you know, human beings are human beings and some people aren't religious or spiritual. Some are. Um, How does that affect the way that you think about the meaning in your life as a teacher? How does that affect the way that you treat your kids? You know, how does that affect a lot of things? Um, You know, and and then the bigger, broader thing there is sort of the whole mindfulness thing, which is to me, not a, uh, necessarily relaxation or meditation technique. It can be that, but it's a way of looking inside and being like, who am I as a person? Who am I as a teacher? Um, What, what about my practices are really healthy about the way that I look at this and what is unhealthy? Um, How do I deal with my biases and my, and my own prejudices as a teacher? And (laughs) what, you know, and how do I, how do I teach people to, to be compassionate towards each other? And to build communities that are more positive. Yeah. So, so do I, I do that through my, and a lot of my work has been through mindfulness, sort of looking at it as, as, you know, a scientific thing and a stress reduction thing, but I'm broadening that out to, I think, bigger questions. Great. Um, and right now, one of the studies that I'm doing is I'm doing with a couple of grad students looking at how spirituality mediated, or if it mediated teachers uh, experiences during COVID-19, uh, does that make a difference? 
Uh, you know, do you see your life as now it's everything is a disaster? Or do you say, you know, I have a higher purpose? Um, and, you know, again, I'm not trying to get to the nature of whether these things are true or not. That's not my point. Right. I think my point is I'm super interested in human experience as, yeah. and, and musicians experiences. Everything from why we do things the way that we do as musicians to why we feel certain things are true or not true. Mm-hmm. So it's it's bending a little philosophical, I think. Right. Uh, in my old age. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of a lot of topics out there that people are, are really afraid to talk about or maybe they're self-conscious about and they're like, oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to bring that up and just going to, sure. you know, but um, I, I think it's it's great to have these conversations and great to self-reflect and look look around and, and you know, learn more about yourself. You yeah. 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 And that's it. I mean, I think that's what that's what my mindfulness class has become at IU. You know, sure, we learned some techniques to focus better and, you know, to, to um, you know, maybe maybe release some physiological stress. And I'm happy to teach those things. But ultimately, that class is looking at yourself and going, what, you know, I always say, what, what are my habits of mind? How do I habitually look at the world? Let's say for a minute that I, that there are multiple interpretations of what's going on in a human being's life, right? Mm-hmm. What, how did those get there? Are those interpretations that you want, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or the interpretations that you inherited? How do the inherited interpretations about what you should be as a musician, as a teacher, as a human being, what success is, how does it affect your well-being? Because let's be honest, well-being means so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. And you know, we can superimpose an idea of what that means from a sort of physiological, biological, medical model. You know, if I give you enough pills and you're healthy, you'll be happy. Well, we know that's not true. Yeah. Um, you know, you might be healthy physically, but you might be very unhappy otherwise. Um, what about, you know, let's look at just our, our profession. What does success mean in our profession right now? Right. Well, I'll tell you, it doesn't mean the same thing it did to me 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, right. You know, we were just talking about values, right? Right. How do the teachers sit down and go, what are my values? Um, and, and how does that affect my well-being? Because that's going to affect everything I do as a teacher. How I'm going to, what music I'm going to pick, uh, what I'm going to teach, how I'm going to treat my students, what I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to phrase as success to them. <laughs> I was thinking, Chuck, you were saying uh, about ratings. I, you know, I started getting really, uh, satellite was this competitive high school. And, and at some point I just got tired of that. Yeah. Uh, we, we had done all the things that we needed to do to, yeah. to prove, you know, this is good school. So I started, I stopped talking about ratings at some point and uh, I, I wanted to see what would happen. I'll never forget my last year there, my concert, my baby orchestra. Um, we had had, I think that was the year we had hurricanes. It was a year before that. So okay. we lost a whole bunch of rehearsals and they went to district festival and um, they did pretty good. They, 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 I think my Florida FOI was one, one, two, I think, or something sure. like that. And one of them was really disappointed because they had only gotten four points. Whereas the other orchestras had gotten 12. And I said, no, 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 that's not the way. Ah. And, and the whole point of that was they had no idea. Like they just went and yeah. played and loved it. And we're like, whatever, you know? Right, uh, right. But then they saw those ratings. And they were, <laughs> we they only got four, four points. <laughs> so that was one of those moments, I think, in my life where I just said, okay, what? what does this mean to that kid? By the way, I'm not discounting any, I think for some kids, it's really motivating. Yeah. And I think early in our careers, we kind of need a way of, of figuring out how we stand compared to different norms in the profession. Sure. You know, and I totally understand. It's not, it's not ripping that down at all. Um, But I think ultimately we have to decide who we want to be. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think that's what I'm probably spending my next 10 years or so researching until I get bored. That's uh, awesome. You know, looking at questions of meaning and mindfulness, definitely one of those lens, I think spirituality or just self-inquiry, self-awareness, as you said. Yeah. Uh, all of those things can be done in a lot of different ways. That's fantastic. It's, it's so interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think you're right. You know, I mean, I'm at a very competitive high school and I think the ratings mean a lot to my students. And I've always told them since I started there, you know, I don't really care what, what we get because, you know, your judge could be having a bad day. You could be having a bad day. I could be having a bad day. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it could be any of those factors and, and it's a mistake or it's whatever it is. But I said, we know where we started. We know where we're going and we know where we are right now. And that's what's most important, you know, yeah. not, nothing else, you know, um, but, uh, you know, we, we've done well, if, if you want to call it that. But um, again, the, the, that's, that's not the, that's not the primary means, you know, right. it's right. just, uh, it, it's just a, maybe it's a cherry on top of the Sunday, but you know, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> there's so many great things happening at my school that, um, that, that I think, you know, based upon how the students are working, you know, or maybe I should say have worked in the past this year, it's been a, a very exceptional, um, you know, that just happens, you know, th- those kind of things, the ratings, whatever, it just kind of happens because, that's the, that's their, their focus. And that's, yeah, that's how they work, you know? Yeah. Um, And that was mine too, as a kid. I mean, I, 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 when I figured that out, I had a competitive edge. I'm not going to lie and tell you it didn't motivate me. And, um, and it did. I mean, I remember my first superior at solo and ensemble and feeling super cool about that. You know, Um, I can't say uh, that that didn't influence me saying, Oh, maybe I could do this. Right. Sure. Um, I got plenty of not superiors as well, just to be clear. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, I got, I got, but yeah. So, but you know, we have to, I think we have to open up a world of meaning for our kids that we assume is there or is the same for everybody. And it isn't. Um, and it mm-hmm. took me a while to figure that out. Um, by the way, we were talking about well-being. That did affect my well-being because I, I will never forget the day uh, it was like, no, it wasn't a day. It was maybe a few weeks after the Midwest clinic, you know, I was 29 years old. I thought that's what I had to do to be successful, get a group to play at Midwest. I mean, I just, that's what I had to do. That was in my head. I've been told that. And there they were, and they played a really nice concert, uh, you know, not perfect by any stretch of the but a good concert. And I remember finishing that up and feeling empty on the inside, just feeling like, And, and here's the weird part, but, but it wasn't because the kids, it's because I realized that, that even we had gotten there through a very different is that I was looking at the wrong thing at that, in that moment. I remember mm-hmm. feeling, you know, I, what I really need to look at here is these kids loved putting the music together. They felt accomplished. They loved mm-hmm. going to Chicago. You know, experience of a lifetime for them. You know, some of them had That's never traveled it. out of the state before. And for, for those you kids, it. it was like, this is, this is life-changing for them. And, you know, I mean, it, it is, yep. it is, it was for me. Um, but you know, I, yep. I've gone twice now and I tell you both of them were the, were the greatest trips I've gone on. And it wasn't because uh, it was Midwest. It was just because of the kids that I had Yep. and the, yep. those kids that, uh, you know, I, I was, I still keep in contact and they still talk about it, you know? Yeah, they do too. And that's, <laughs> that's what I meant. I think I yeah. knew that on some level and, and I was sort of embarrassed to admit it to myself that it wasn't about getting there. 
Um, and that had I not gotten there, there are other things that I could have done as well Absolutely. that were just as successful. Um, um, you know, and it was just a weird time in my life, but, but it made me unhappy because I thought, gosh, like, is this what this is about? And, is and it, it wasn't, you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it was yeah. Is this it? Well, there you go. I mean, here's what happened. You played and have, to, you know, and I always divide the, the, the thing into three camps. Camp one is no matter what you do, it's not good enough. They would have done it differently. That's your audience. <laughs> camp, camp, camp two is honestly, they're listening and like, be like, Oh, that's really, that's, that's really great. Oh yeah. I could see how that, you know, I get you. you so, so those uh, second violins didn't quite get that spiccato and the Beethoven. I got you. And then, and then uh, the thirds are, it's great. No matter what you do. <laughs> And yeah. the thing is that li- that yeah. little section of people who are there to like be convinced one way or the other are usually your friends or your trusted colleagues who would have been fine either. Like you're on a journey with them. It's not, you know, sure. and, and I, I felt like that was just after that. I'm like, I, I worried so much about what people would think about this because yeah. I'm human and I wanted it to be good. You know, I don't I'm like, gosh, we're going to do Prokofiev, Romeo and Juliet. You know, it's, it better sound good. Yeah. Uh, and, pre- and, it's, it's pretty high pressure, you know, you know, like, yeah. Oh, so-and-so is going to be there and so-and-so is going to be there yeah. and everybody's going to be there. And it's like, everyone's oh, going to okay. be there. Right. <laughs> but, but the best part of that trip was everything you just said, the kids, the pizza and playing. I remember like when we were done is sitting outside the hall, uh, in jeans and like, you know, sweatshirts playing euchre, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh, what a, what a great bonding experience. So, Again, going back to the original thing, you know, what, what is wellness? Well, wellness is knowing who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing what you can control in your life. As many of us know, you know, things happen to us. We build a life a particular way. Right. And we think everything's going to go that way and then it doesn't. Nope. And you're like, right. I'm laughing because I think we've had some common experiences in that dimension. Right. Uh, you know, and then you say, well, now what, what is my life about now? Yeah. I, I mean, and, and for me, it's always been just keeping the, keep, you know, staying the course, keeping your, your head straight, keeping, you know, keeping in touch with people, um, staying, trying to stay as positive as possible and looking yeah. at, look at the good in, in, in as many things as you can. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it pays off in the long run. And it, sometimes it, you, you think it's not, it won't go away or this is, you know, this is never going to end up right, but you know, it does. It just takes time. It takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and a lot of us aren't very patient people. We no, that's why, we, that's why we got to where we, <laughs> you know, we want it. We want it now, you know, right. and um, yeah. we can't, we yeah. can't always do that. Can't yeah. No, that you're, you're right. You're right. And I mean, there's so much, there's so much more to unpack there. You know, uh, uh, how many things in our lives are like that? Uh, looking at correctly, I always thought that um, if I got, you know, that teaching university would just solve all my life's problems. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it's just a different set of problems. <laughs> I and agree. Tenure, I've, I've been know? there. Yeah, I agree. You know, oh, I know. I know. That's so, what I was, you know, I was like, you know, now. Yeah. yeah now what? Yeah. You know, does that change that? Does it change fundamentally who you are? Oh, I still people, I'm just, I'm basically just a working class kid from from you know hialeah florida uh, who who really likes people and really likes music and worked really hard and got some breaks and had some good mentors you yeah. know and all those things put together resulted in you know not a perfect life but a one that i have a lot to be grateful for um and and that's you know like you said looking at looking at what's positive yeah. uh, and and maintaining that 
uh, as part of life without ignoring what's falling apart. I mean, right. that's the other part. Like we can't be unrealistic, you know, yep. uh, <laughs> we have to go. Yeah, this is, this is a, this is a crappy situation right now, but it's going to work itself out one way or the other. Yeah. And all I have in this moment is what, what do I focus on? That's actually a big part of mindfulness too, by the yeah. way, you know, again, breaking that concept, mindfulness being means being mindful of something, right. Or directing your attention towards something. And in a world where you have so many options, sometimes you direct your attention to what's really wonderful in your life yeah, and what's working. And sometimes you attend to uh, what's not, and both can exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of and, and the only, when we suffer is because we think only one or the other has to exist. Right. Yeah. People make, people make choices that, uh, you know, lead them to the negative and they're, they're just stuck there, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you you, you probably know people like that and I definitely do too. And it's like, why, why, I mean, why, why do you have to be that way? Just, you know, it, it's, it, there's so much good out there and you just got to find yeah. it and you got to keep searching for it. And, um, you know, it, but, but sometimes people never change and, and, uh, that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah. You know? it's, so you, it's, you have to, human beings, <laughs> you know, you, sometimes you just disassociate with those that are on the negative and, and keep going with their positive because that's, that's what you have to do. And it's hard sometimes, you know, when you have friends or yeah. you have colleagues who are always in that negative, that negative realm, it's just. It can be taxing for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. We, we run out. I always think in situations like that, you know, I try to be the best possible friend that I can and, and support, but like anything else in our lives, we have to draw boundaries, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and to me, the limit is when I, I'm, I've realized that all I could possibly do is sit there and he, and listen to what they're saying, but they're not, gonna they're probably not gonna change it. that's right. okay no. you know? and I'm, it's not my job to change them you know it's my no. job uh, to be as present as i can you know and again yeah. some people have some legitimate uh, issues that um well, for you know, sure. i certainly haven't experienced in my life that that they should but nevertheless i mean i always i can only speak for myself you know uh i had a difficult childhood in in almost every way imaginable mm-hmm. and uh i ch- i chose i chose to look at that as um as as when I'm in when I'm in the right state of mind, yeah. as something that helped build my character and helped me uh, appreciate what I have now, without question, um, and it, and it, right? And I know some people don't don't get there, you know, and that right. and that that's that's life, you know, that's the way yeah. things are. I mean, I think uh, some of us, my, some of, I was going to say, some of us have have that those experiences when we're we're kids, yeah, and that shaped us shapes us, and some of us uh, have those when we're adults, and then, um, you know we have, we just experienced it at a different time, but, um, you know, I don't know anybody that's had the perfect life really, but uh, there's no such yeah. thing, you know? So we have to all yeah. understand that and, uh, um, be prepared, you know? Yeah. Something yeah. will go wrong someday, think- you know, but, uh, another but, part uh, of wellness, just right. knowing it's a, uh, it's not going to be a perfect life. I say, it's not going to be a perfect life. It was never guaranteed to be perfect to other people suffer. Uh, you're not, you know, you, you, everyone, everyone will have moments in their lives and that that's, that's comforting in some ways. Uh, and three, uh, you always have room to, uh, change, um, your, your, you know, the aspects of your, of your life that are, are, um, not going the way you want them to go. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a believer in complete lack of agency in in your life. Some people have it way harder than others. Sure. I, good, sure. Goodness. I mean, I've seen it. I've been there. 
but at the same time, you know, that can be true and you can still decide, okay, what am I going to do with that? What's, what can I do? Cause I, I do feel like sometimes we, we paint pictures for people where they're completely helpless. Um, right. And that, that, that's problematic. You know, I always worry about people who, well, you're, everything's out of your control. Well, some things are, I'm right. going to die. I know that you know, one day <laughs> I'm going to get sick, you know, yeah. things are, but, but, but I feel like I have some agency. I can take some steps right now to, to change at least something about my life that I, you know, that could make it better. Yeah. All of that. Again, I, you know, it's funny. We're having yeah. this philosophical talk about this, but, but I think all of this is related to teaching and what, teaching what, music yeah. and teaching strengths. Uh, I mean, all, I don't see separation in that, you know, um, I, I, I really feel like, our profession would be better. By the way, we have these conversations all the time and like at the bar, you know, <laughs> we or, <do. laughs> or at, at lunch or, right. This is, you know, very few of us will sit down and talk about pedagogy at those places. Um, mm-hmm. we, of course we listen to each other. Oh, I loved your presentation. That was a really great idea, you yeah. know, but, but, uh, but let's be honest, the conversation we're having right now is one of the reasons we love going to uh, these conferences sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's we get to peer into our, our, our colleagues and our friends' souls a little bit and go, oh, you're, ha- you're, you're going through that too? Okay, man, I'm a, I feel a little bit better. It, it's, it's a lot of that because, <laughs> you know, perfect. most of us are the only teacher, you know, the only string teachers at our school or the only, you know, this or that. And, you know, it's, it, not everybody has the colleagues that, you know, has colleagues that are nearby, you know. Exactly. And so um, very fortunate to have great colleagues in Fulton County and people I can, you know, talk to at any time. And we have a little group chat that, that we, uh, you know, engage in and, and uh, that's helpful. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's still, like we said, we're missing that, that face-to-face, that, that personal touch. And, uh, you know, Zoom's great, but man, if I could uh, never do a Zoom again and just meet people in person, <laughs> I, I think I would choose that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm Except for faculty meetings. I, I love, oh, you got it. That's I love right. the faculty meetings <laughs> on Teams because, Yep. Man. Yeah. I hope they keep that. No, for sure. Yeah. I don't ever want to teach a class unless I absolutely have to online. And but 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 my goodness, meetings. Oh, I can't tell you the number of mornings I've woken up and, and gone, I don't have to drive to school an hour <laughs> early park just to go to this meeting. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that's it's 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 definitely one of the nice things. But the yeah. teaching part is is a different story, I think. Yeah, for sure. So. For sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, I Frank, it's uh, awesome to chat with you, and uh, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to come out. And uh, you didn't have to drive anywhere, but we're you're on the uh, <laughs> on the podcast, and uh, we we just appreciate you. Um, I will in the in the description. I'll I'll leave uh, Frank's contact information uh, and bio and and things, so you can uh, learn more about him. And if you are, if any of you are interested in in uh, having Frank work with your students, I guess virtually or soon hopefully in person uh, <laughs> yeah um, he's a wonderful teacher clinician uh conductor and uh it would be great uh to have and i, I want to get you down here to atlanta too sometime for hey, sure anytime man yeah anytime as long as yeah. you know as long as it's post mask world i'm i'm happy yeah no you're right I exactly yeah and uh, maybe have... yeah that that would be that would be amazing to have you come down and maybe even serve as an adjudicator or whatever so I, I would love that. That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> well, thanks again, right. and uh, everybody, for the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. This is Charles Lux signing off. Yeah.